Good morning, everyone. So so glad for everyone to be here. Um, Callie and I have uh, some some news. Um, we've decided that I should grow a mustache. So we're really excited about that. Um, this is only like a few days growth, so don't don't judge. Um, but no, like it, we were just uh, she came by the station, and um, we were just talking. And there are some pretty spectacular mustaches in the Dothan Fire Department. I don't know if you, you've seen some of them. Like, it's like they can, like, do the whole handlebar twisting. It's phenomenal. So she just, like, randomly, like, I'm curious what you would look like with a mustache. So I was like, is that a green light? It's like, yes. So I went with it. Um, so anyways, we'll, we'll see how, how this goes. Anyways. Uh, but, no, I am excited to uh, continue the uh, the series we're on, God First, um, and I don't think anyone could really argue that uh, there isn't a more relevant time for this message right now, especially in the American church. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of shocked uh, with some of the statements that I, I hear some some leaders make um, in churches, and this isn't these aren't like minor. Uh, differences in some like outlying theological kind of idea or whatever. These are some some pretty core uh, uh, beliefs. I, I saw a video of, and I don't, I don't know what denomination or affiliation this person had, but uh, it was a pastor who who um, had a, like a rainbow uh, tie on. He was like, "I am here to say that I support the Satanist Church," and I'm thinking. Really, you know, and he goes on to say, yeah, they're, they're not out there spreading hate and lies and all this kind of stuff on social media. And I'm thinking, you know that they worship the guy who's here to kill and destroy and all this. You know, that's, that's kind of his agenda. Uh, so that was a lot to unpack. But anyways, like, it's just shocking because some of the, the, the statements that people are making are just outright evil. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm not trying to be a downer this morning. This actually is a very positive uh, message this morning that, that I want to share. Um, but I love, love the verse that, that Dave kind of used to, to highlight this, this series, uh, John 15, 5, um, I, where Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And I, abiding in Christ uh, means taking on that lifestyle of Christ, but often we don't really know uh, how to how to merge uh, the lifestyle of Christ with this lifestyle that we we typically have in America like this this work 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 grind it out fit as much into a 24 hour period as we possibly can um, and the problem is we're not meant to because uh, in reality those those two cultures don't they don't they don't meld together they're they're not meant to um, they're not compatible. Uh, so I have a question for you this morning. This isn't, you don't have to raise your hand or whatever you can answer amongst yourselves, however. But how many of us live with a low-grade fatigue that just does not go away? Uh, I know that, I, I know I am, I'm guilty of experiencing that um, from time to time. I'm sure everyone in this room can say the same. How many of you realize that's not how God intended us to live? We're not, we're not meant to be in this 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 constant state. And it's not like we're exhausted all the time, but just like this, like I said, it's low grade. It's just below the surface where it's like, whew. You know, and it's not necessarily a physical tired, 
it can manifest itself as a physical tire, but it's just like emotionally, mentally, we're just drained, you know? I, um, I've, I'm read, and I can't say read because I listened to an audio book, so I don't know how that qualifies, but I get the gist of the information from uh, this, this book by John Mark Cormer. It's called The um, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a great read. I, I, I highly recommend it if you have, have the time. It's pretty easy. Like I said, I listen to it just in, in the car, you know, going to work, from work, going to, to get gas or the groceries. So it, it's, it's really easy to listen to. The basic premise of it is, you know, we really fill our lives up with things that are, are good but necessarily aren't as good as what God has intended for us. And, and we really just fill up our lives, and we just get in this constant state of rush, rush, rush. And it's about reevaluating and uh, reprioritizing things in our lives. Um, but he talks about a, a gentleman named John Ortberg. Maybe some of you have heard of him, maybe not. I didn't. I had not heard of him prior to reading this book. So, uh, But it, he's a mentor of uh, John Cormer. Comer, and um, he made a statement in the book that I, I, I really want to share. Um, he said, for most of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. I want to read that one more time. For most of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. I, again, I think that hits the nail right on the head. For, for, your, for your average Christian, especially in a Western culture, we get so preoccupied that we just settle it's like we, we almost squeeze God in whenever we can, and we settle for that mediocre version of it. I, I want to share another, another quote. I don't have this on a, on a slide, but uh, this is from Dallas Will, Willard. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. So we somehow feel like we can, we can be rushed in this culture and still fit God into it somehow. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, it, it doesn't work like that. It just does not compute, you know. So if I was to give a title for this, this morning's message, um, I think I would, I would title it The Yoke of Rest. Uh, I know that kind of seems like an oxymoron, a, a yoke being a, a tool for work and rest, but uh, it works, trust me. Um, so I'm sure some of you are wondering, how does, how does rest work into putting God first? Well, putting God first means, like we said, uh, being more like God, like Jesus, like the example that he gave us in Scripture. And uh, I believe that... Uh, that involves resting the way God intended us to rest. And why that's important, especially right now, I think, is that this next season that we're going into as a body, God has, God has something great in store for DCF. I know some of you can feel that. 
Um, I'll even take it a step further and say with confidence that God in your life has something great in store for you personally in this next year. I know that because we, we talked about in, in a past message about um, learning about that new creature that you're created to be. And that new creature was, was created uh, to make an impact, and not a small impact, mind you, but a huge impact in, in the spheres of influence around you. So if that's the case, then you can't say that God doesn't have something for you this coming year. So if we can learn to rest well, we can learn to work the way that God had intended us to. But I want to I start off uh, by jumping into uh, Scripture, Matthew 11. This is verse 28 through 30. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I like if you really break this, this verse down, it really flies in the face of what most people would say makes logical sense. Because if you take a person who's at his job, he's working, you know, grinding it out, you know, just six days a week, and he is just, or five days a week, and he's just giving it his all, and he is just exhausted. Most people say, that guy needs a vacation. You know, give him, give him some time off. He's deserved it. Um, that's not what Jesus says. He says, actually, take this yoke and, and learn to work better. Um, and, and I think that's, that's, that's huge when you actually break it down. Um, because if we look at if we look at our own lives and, and we ask ourselves, honestly, you know, do I feel weary? Do I feel burdened? And this isn't necessarily constant. That, that if there's times where, where you genuinely feel weary and burdened, and not, not from just like physical work, like you're just physically tired, like I said, that, that emotional, that, that mental, that spiritual just, just weighing down, it's like, man, this is rough. I, I, would, I would say that we're not working and resting the way God had intended us to. Um, yeah, I, I'd just like to point out that, that the yoke that Jesus offers us is not simply just a, a spiritual tool to help with the growth in our lives. It's actually meant to be used in every aspect of our lives to show us how to, how to live, how to work and rest. Um, you know, he says his yoke is, is easy, and I liken that into, um, you know, it's comfortable. It's fit, it fits us. You know, when you're a little kid, I know I did this. When I was a little kid, I always put on my dad's shoes, you know. Like, I, he had like a size 11 or whatever, and I was five years old. I put my, my foot in his shoe, and like, it would just wouldn't even come to the top. You know, I'd pick up my foot, and it would pick up the shoe, and it was just like clot. Clot. So if I tried to run, it was really awkward and hard. I was I was working harder to do what should have been just simple step here, step there. Christ's yoke fits us the way a pair of shoes in our size is supposed to fit us. It feels comfortable. It, it, it was designed for us. And on top of that, the burden that Jesus offers us is light. I, I think we all get getting the bad habit of taking on things that aren't our, our burdens. We, we take burdens on for others, or, or we just take burdens on that we really want to take on, 
but really aren't meant for us. Jesus is offering us burdens that are meant for us, and they're, they're light because they were designed for us in this yoke that we're meant to carry. And the third thing I think we take away from this scripture is that we're meant to walk yoked at, at his pace, at Jesus' pace, as, as Holy Spirit's pace. We're equally yoked with them, with the Holy Spirit. And so when we're walking along, if you, if you try, to, try to push hard against that yoke and try to go, I want to go faster, I want to go faster, I guarantee you, you're not going to budge the Holy Spirit. He's going he's gonna to go at the pace that is meant for you to go. And I, I, obviously, you'll, you'll find that that pace is a lot slower than what we typically, you know, want to go. So, talking about rest, everyone, everyone knows today is what we call Sabbath. That word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means to stop. Uh, and this, this was, uh, I know we celebrate on Sunday, the, the Jewish culture celebrates it on the Saturday. Um, but, but it's the day set apart for us where we're meant to rest. And I want to look at the, the first reference uh, of Sabbath here in the Scripture. It actually goes all the way back to Genesis. And uh, we all know the story. God created the uh, universe, essentially, in, in six days. And uh, then he took some time to rest. This is Genesis chapter 2, 2 through 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I think it's obvious God didn't rest because he was tired. Uh, if, if, he, if he got tired, he wouldn't be God because that's, that's setting a limit on what God is able to do. No, he rested because he was setting an example for us to follow. This is, this is what you need to do. Work six, rest seven. You need that rest. I think we're all guilty of of allowing our schedule to be filled quickly and, and put stuff on our plates where it, it, oftentimes our, our schedule tends to roll over into our Sabbath where, where we start, you know, working instead of resting. Um, yeah, and I, I know, like, you know, parents, you, you've got kids who have schedules. I, I'm, not, I'm not a parent yet. I don't know what it's like to do that. Um, but I do know that, that God still rested on that seventh day. I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, if you somehow, like, schedule, schedule something on a Sunday, you know, that you're somehow committing this, this awful sin that God is just disappointed. That's not what I'm saying. Um, and people who run businesses, they have a lot of responsibility. God still took that, that, that seventh day to rest. I know that, that we tend to, to carry our work over with us into the weekends. Um, and sometimes we just need to, we need to say no to some good things, you know, because work is good, but we need to say no to some good things in order to say yes to the best thing. I, uh, I don't know if you know this, but during the French Revolution, the, the French decided they wanted to do a little bit of a social experiment uh, by making a 10-day work week. I think Dave has mentioned this before. Um, but a 10-day work week, I can't imagine. Um, so that, so they, they tried it out. And the result of this little social experiment was, was that the uh, economy started to, 
to crumble. It started to, to, to collapse. Uh, people started getting depressed. Go figure. Um, sadly, some people committed suicide. The suicide rate increased. So it was really a failed experiment. You know, it's like God knew what he was, was saying when he said, work six, rest seven, you know. Um, I think, as I said before, part of the Sabbath is the ability to say no to good things in order to say yes to the best thing. Um, I also want to highlight that, that Sabbath, uh, if we look at Christ, Sabbath was woven into Jesus' day-to-day life. It wasn't just, just the one day, um, but I, I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. I want to I stay, stay here on talking about Sabbath as a day, as this day we recognize. Um, if we look in Exodus 20, verse 8, um, this, is, this is the command that God gave the Israelites. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And the word I, I looked up, the word used here for remember is a car, which literally means remember. And then the same uh, command is repeated in Deuteronomy 5 through 12. It says, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And the word used there is shamar, which literally means observe. Typically when I'm reading scriptures that, that kind of are similar or they're giving the same command, I'll break it down like the word because sometimes the, the Hebrew, Hebrew word is significant there. Like it has a certain meaning. But here it's the same same meaning. So I, I started started wondering why why the subtle difference. You know, what's the difference between remembering something and observing something? And I think if we if we looked at looked at it practically, um, how we remember a holiday versus observing a holiday. Um, let's just use Fourth of July for example. Uh, if I remember Fourth of July. Usually I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember what that day represents, you know, as our, our country becoming free and gaining independence. But if I talk about observing the 4th of July, to my mind that, that brings, okay, how am I going to uh, observe that, that day? Usually it involves, okay, I think I want to grill out. I think I want to invite family and friends over. Let's, let's coordinate this. All right, maybe you can bring the buns, I'll handle the meat, you know. It becomes this planning process where it's, it's, it goes beyond just remembering what that day means. It becomes planning, how am I going to celebrate? So I think observing the, the Sabbath in this, in this at, essence means how, how am I going to plan to rest instead of piling on work, being intentional about this day? Because I think, I think it's super significant. Um, I want, I, I want to say the Sabbath is more than just a day of the week for rest meant for your good. It's a lifestyle of being in the world and abiding in the Spirit with God by being in God's presence all week long. This is, this is stepping more into this, this, uh, this pace that Jesus walked with in, in the New Testament. So I want, I want to say that again. The Sabbath is more than just a day of the week for rest meant for your good. It's a lifestyle of being in the world and abiding in the Spirit with God by being in God's presence all week long. So if we look in the New Testament, if we look at, at the pace that, that Jesus set, let, let's ask ourselves, what, what was Jesus' pace? Well, Jesus had a full-time ministry. He preached to an audience of thousands on the regular. Uh, he discipled 12 guys day in, day out. 
He healed the sick everywhere he went. He cast out demons, and occasionally he raised a person from the dead here and there. Um, all of this he did, he knew he was leading up to uh, the day where he would uh, be killed and take the sin of the world upon himself and three days later be resurrected. So I don't think there's, there's a CEO of any major corporation in this world that could say, I could do that and not be stressed out. But Jesus managed to, to, to do that and walk in a, in a, in a pace that was, was good. Like he was able to still uh, pour into people's lives because he was, he was walking with the Father. He's walking at the pace set for, for him. And it's an example that, that he, he gave for us to follow. So um, there's, there's, there's countless references in, in Scripture where Jesus is going nonstop, it seems like all day, but in the evening or sometimes early in the morning, he goes away by himself. To a, to a quiet place, just him, to spend time with God. And I, I look at those scriptures, and I, I kind of I cringe just because I was like, oh, my, oh, gosh, is Jesus asking me to wake up at 4.30 in the morning every morning just to have a quiet time? Um, but I, I don't think that's necessarily what, what Jesus was doing. He wasn't, like, checking some spiritual box uh, because the Father uh, wanted him to wake up, uh, you know, every morning at 4.30. I think practically... Uh, Jesus, as we said, his schedule was full, but he recognized that he needed that time with the Father. And it was just the practical time for him to be able to, to set aside to do that. And I, th- I think that, that we need to, to recognize that and, and see how vital it is. I, I know for me, I'm, I'm terrible about um, being consistent with my, my time that I spend with God. But I, I think if, if, if we can just step back and recognize that, that this is something that's not, as I said, it's not a spiritual box to be checked. It, it's something that's, that's meant to refresh us, to, to, to set time with God, to, to be with the Father, and, and just be refreshed in His presence. So, number one, Jesus', Jesus pace always involved uh, making time for Him and the Father. Um, as he went on, even during his, his little teaching tour, he would stop and, and make time for, for people. He would focus on one or a few individuals. There's, there's many examples of this in Scripture. Uh, him stopping for Zacchaeus, was, who was a, a tax collector. I think he was a tax collector. I think that's right. Anyway, someone who was really an outcast in the culture just because they weren't liked at all. Uh, but he stopped and, and he pointed him out and said, I'm, I'm going to spend the day with you. you know, I'm going I'm to have a meal with you. Um, the other example I, I, I would give would be when he's just walking in this tight crowd, like just jam-packed, people are following him. This woman with this blood disorder just grabs the, the tip of his robe, like the very edge of the fabric, and is healed. And he feels that power leave him, and he, and he stops and focuses on, on her. Says, you know, he took time for her. And then there's always the classic where Jesus is teaching and whatnot, and the kids just want to run up and be with Jesus. And the disciples are like his bouncers, like, no, 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 stand back. But he, he lets them through because he valued people. Jesus made time for people. That's, that's not to say that every, every time someone wanted to talk with Jesus, you know, he's like, all right, stop, focus on this person. He 
practically couldn't do that, and he doesn't expect us to either. Um, but I, I, think, I think God puts people in our lives uh, for, for a purpose. You know, we have family, we have friends, and occasionally God will bring uh, that, that person who may be that outcast or, or someone that, that's looked over, and, and God just wants us to, to take the time to, to recognize them, to be with them, to bless them. So the two things that, that I would say would be Jesus' pace, he always made time for him and the Father, and he would make time for people. I just want to jump into one last uh, scripture here. Um, this is Mark chapter 2, verse 27. And just kind of uh, to give you a background for this, this scripture, Jesus is walking in the fields on the Sabbath with his disciples. And they're just hungry, so they start picking uh, the grain heads from, from you know, the, the plants and eating them. I don't, I'm not a farmer or anything, but that doesn't sound appetizing to me. I don't, I don't know. But anyways, uh, the Pharisees see them, and they, they try to call Jesus out and, and trap him. Like, you know, why are you working when it is unlawful to work on the Sabbath? And this is Mark 2, verse 27. Jesus responded with, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. He goes on to, to reference a story back in 1 Samuel where, where David and his men were walking along, and they got hungry. So what did they do? They go into the temple, and they, they eat some of the, the bread that was meant strictly for the priest. Um, now, that technically, yes, that was unlawful because David wasn't, wasn't a priest. So I wonder why was Jesus referencing this story as if David was in the right? I think it's because Jesus was wanting to highlight the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. Um, it's almost like, you know, he was just trying to say, don't, don't you get it? You know, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is meant to be a uh, refreshment for those who practice it. Um, so the question is, are you, are you being refreshed when you Sabbath? Because if not, I, I would challenge you, you're not practicing it right. If, if to you, Sabbath is simply just coming here on a Sunday morning, worship, uh, hearing a message, you know, saying hey to one another, all wonderful good things, things that, that God intends for us to do when we come together. But if, if you walk out, out those doors and you feel like, I've Sabbathed, you're, you're not. You're not Sabbathing. You're meant to, to, to be refreshed by this. God made uh, Sabbath to benefit the man's body, mind, and soul. Uh, now, I'm kind of getting ahead into next week's message, but I'll, I'll, I'll dabble a little bit in it. I want to I take this first, and I want to do something. I promise you I'm not about to, to blaspheme the room with this statement. Um, but I want to I do another word replacement because I think, I think it really will... Uh, maybe open some of our eyes this morning. But instead of Sabbath, I want to replace it with spiritual practices. Spiritual practices were made for man, not man for spiritual practice. See, we often treat uh, some of the things like uh, a quiet time, fasting, prayer. We all often treat them like chores. Which that, that's not what they were created for. They were created for our well-being to refresh and just, just lift burdens off us. 
But like I said, we'll, we'll get into more of that, that next week. Um, so in closing, I just want to maybe let's, let's apply some, some practical uh, steps this morning. Um, what, what are some things that I can do to practice Sabbath well? Um, what are some steps that we can take? I, I would say just something practical is setting aside time uh, for family and friends. Um, I know, I know. It just seems. Well, that's. I enjoy doing that. Well, good. You know, you're you're supposed to enjoy your Sabbath. Um, enjoy time uh, with each other, and I would say, um, put away the things that that easily distract you during that time. Because you, I, I want to highlight, spend quality time with family and friends. Um, again, <laughs> I, I I think that that we we get guilty where. We want to we want to bring our work week into our our quality time with family. So I would I would highly encourage putting away the the phones, the computers, something like that. It's just a suggestion. I'm not going to say God wants you to throw that phone away. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, but I think we need to enjoy each other's presence and enjoy God's presence in that. I think that. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be this, this prayer time. I'm not saying that's wrong. If you want to have uh, a prayer time with, with fam- family or friends, by all means, that, that's awesome. But I think we, we often don't recognize the simple things that God has given us to enjoy that are meant to refresh us. So, um, yeah, share a meal. Talk about what's going on in each other's lives. Talk about what God is doing in your life. Talk about what God's doing in, in their lives. And, yeah, pray for one another. Encourage one another. That's, that's what Sabbath should look like. I'd say do nothing related to your work week. So, yeah, let's, let, let's start practicing Sabbath the right way because when we start practicing Sabbath the right way, I would say you'll be surprised how your work week goes. I, I know, I know it, sometimes it's a struggle. I've, I've been there. To, to set aside time where I could easily be working on something that's coming for next week. But I, I think if, if we take the time to honor Sabbath the way God intended, you'll be surprised how refreshed you are going into that work week and what you can get done and what you're capable of getting done. So, yeah, if you'll, you'll stand with me, I'll, I'll pray. Um, God, we just we thank you for... <laughs> For the gift of Sabbath, we, we thank you that you are a God that, that uh, is there walking with us step by step, that, that you're, you're not trying to, to kill us with these rules and these, all this, this, this stuff. You actually want to offer us uh, a burden that's light and, and a yoke, a way to work that, that is easy, God. Uh, I ask that this morning that, that maybe just highlight for us individually some, some ways that we're, we're, not, we're not working in pace with you. Uh, maybe, maybe some things that we need to reprioritize, things that may be good, but, but maybe they're, they're not as good as what you had intended for us, God. We love you, we thank you, and we just uh, ask that you just refresh us, refresh us, refresh us, refresh us, God. In your name I pray, amen. If you're here this morning and uh, you would like some, some uh, prayer or anything, our ministry team will be available up front.
uh, we would love to pray with you. If you're online and you need some prayer, uh, reach out to us. Uh, I think our email's on our, our uh, website, and um, you can reach us. At, we have a Facebook page as well. You can send us a message, however you want to get in contact with us. We would love to pray with you. Um, yeah, so go out, have a relaxing Sabbath, and be refreshed. Hope to see you all next week.